Welcome to Love Through It. I'm your host, Liana Nielsen, former actress and comedian turned certified integrative nutrition health coach. I found my way here after spending my 20s getting sick and then learning how to heal myself from an autoimmune condition, depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder when countless doctors were no help. Combining both traditional and alternative methods, I found healing through a deeper mind-body connection. I am so excited to share what I've discovered with you. Here, I'll chat with friends, experts, and clients on how they love through their biggest challenges to build lives and bodies they love. You ready? Let's do this. I am so excited to welcome (laughs) one of my most favorite humans, Lissa Mandel, to the podcast. Lissa is a fabulous multi-hyphenate writer comedian, somatic therapist in training, which we'll dive deep into, using tarot, astrology, and myth to deepen our understanding of human evolution. Thank you so much for being here, Lissa. Ah, thank you for having me. I love hanging out with you. I know. It's the best. Fun fact, Lissa and I started a podcast at the very beginning of the pandemic. I still have those recordings on my computer. That would be interesting and perhaps cringy to listen to. <laughs> Maybe cringe. I mean, yeah, but you got to embrace the cringe. Always, always. That's my mom was saying it. that. She's my mom's like very into Instagram now and I remember someone <laughs> someone one of my friends that she follows posted something on embracing the cringe and I said something she's like, "Leon, you have to embrace the cringe." Karen said that? <laughs> Karen said that. And I was like, so true. So true. She also taught me, oh, Riz, that the kids are saying. I've heard of Riz. I like yeah. this. I do too. I, I'm into Riz. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, Leon, you mean Riz. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so your mom is Gen Z. She is. My mom's Gen Z and she's cooler than I am. But she always has it. <laughs> She'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I would love to start a talking a little bit about your journey. And I love that. Well, you know what? I, there are two things. There are two big reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you besides just mm-hmm. loving talking to you because I think you're so smart and fascinating. Um, is that I'm seeing two trends and you are embodying both of them. One, oh. a lot of women, a lot of the smart, accomplished women I know in their 30s, in their 40s, starting to pivot career-wise. And really like embracing new chapters and whether that's starting new businesses or going back to school. And I find that I'm empowering a lot of women in that direction, which is really exciting. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, with so many of my clients, they have been in talk therapy. They have regular therapists and they're still really disconnected from their bodies. They still quite don't know how to process and sit with emotions. They can intellectualize how they feel or why they feel a certain way, but they can't, they're sometimes really shy away from processing how they feel. So I would love to dive deep into both of those, but give us a little backstory on you. Tell us where you came from. Where did, where did all this come from? Uh, That's so funny because like a little backstory and I'm going to do my best to like hone in because there are, I feel like, you know, I'm 40 and I've lived just Woo-hoo, as many lives. Yeah. Yes. Listen, I, I'm not hiding from it. I, I think it's a beautiful thing. It means more wisdom. But I agree. Um, I've been listening to, have you listened to Julia Louis-Dreyfus's new podcast where she speaks to older women? No, but I love her. Oh, it's so good. She, I, I just, I've only listened to, she did Jane Fonda and then I listened to her episode with Diane von Furstenberg and Diane von Furstenberg is like such a queen and she was like, yeah, we, we don't ask people how old they are. We ask them how many years they've lived. Oh, yes. And I was like, you. she's like, I love aging because it, it means I get to get to keep living and I love being alive. And I was like, hell yes. Yeah. 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 I love that. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus on Veep is like one of my favorite performances of all time on TV. Truly. It's so, she's so incredible. She's so funny. And um, did you see that movie that she just did with Jonah Hill also? No. And the movie itself is not that great, but it's about like interracial couples. But she plays the cringiest mom and it's so bad and so uncomfortable and she nails it. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. She is. She is. She is. And- I grew up watching Elaine. For sure. I mean, same. The dance. The Elaine dance. Yes. What's better than that? 
Well, at the end, you must listen to this podcast. It's so good. At the end of it, she calls her mom and tells her mom what she learned in every episode. Oh! <laughs> it's really cute. Oh, it's my really God. cute. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, oh, great. So I'm an aspiring Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, uh, oh, girl, you're nailing it already. Don't be aspiring. <laughs> just people, just not a lot of people know about it. You're funny as hell. Oh, thank you. I also, we went to the same alma mater, which is Northwestern. But when I went there, I was, I was very, I took myself very seriously. So this is, okay, the, the, the zoomed out story arc of my life is like a very Benjamin Button thing. I think because I was a 65 year old woman when I was eight, like I was very, (laughs) everything was extremely serious. It's like, I was in touch with a depth of feeling that I knew about since I was really little, but it was always sort of, you know, blown off because people were like, Oh, you know, it's just, you know, hormones, you know, you're just a teenager whatever, but it hasn't gone away. And it turns out that Mm -hmm. that, depth of emotion informed like everything else that I've done in my life. But Mm -hmm. I took myself really seriously. I wanted to be, you know, the editor in chief of the New Yorker slash a famous actor. Um, I had big plans and basically the course of my adulthood has been a process of like painful humbling, like falling down one step at a time and just getting brute, like, each bruise is more wisdom, but it's sort of like this grand fall from grace that has meant being more truthful mm-hmm. to myself, but also um, realizing that I'm not that special mm-hmm. in, in a way that, you know, in a way that's actually healthy. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I yeah. mean? Yes. So, but when I was in college, I was like, I, I'm doing like, you know, um, a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of... Um, you know, uh, Tom Stoppard shit. Like, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. can I swear mm-hmm. on this? Of podcast? course. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm sure I already have. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. Fuck it all up. Yeah. And then, and you know, I, I went and I worked for Labyrinth Theater Company mm-hmm. doing marketing and development for them right after school, but I was not very happy. And then I will thank the financial crisis of 2008 for making me lose my job, mm-hmm. which forced me to reevaluate everything. And that was the beginning of my Saturn return, which we can talk about mm-hmm. another time, but like, mm-hmm. um, pushed me toward the thing that I really wanted to be doing, which was not working in an office, you mm-hmm. know? So like mm-hmm. I went from working in an office to doing, being a cater waiter, mm-hmm. going back to acting conservatory and getting closer and closer to like the nugget of the thing that like really felt good. So Oh, yeah, you went to Maggie, right? I went to Maggie Flanagan. Oh, yes, yeah, I did. yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, yeah. I taught at Maggie Flanagan uh, Nutrition for Actors. Uh, right, I don't think I've right. talked about it on this podcast before. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have such a soft spot for Maggie, uh, Maggie Flanagan and for Charlie. I mean, changed my life. Um, that was where I started doing this movement work that uh, it was mm-hmm. Lloyd Williamson um, created this technique that was for actors, like designed mm-hmm. to get actors in their bodies to be more Mm -hmm. open and vulnerable so that emotion could flow through for the purpose of acting. But when I, Mm -hmm. when I took that class, you know, so that was two years long and then I trained to teach it for another couple of years, it was more, it was about more than acting Mm. for me. Like it Mm -hmm. was a really spiritual experience. And I saw my classmates, um, releasing all kinds of emotion that see, it seemed like magic to me because it's like, mm-hmm. where is this coming from? And that took me down the rabbit hole of um, learning how tension in the body is unprocessed experience. But like, mm-hmm. pause on that because then I took a little detour for 12 years into comedy. <laughs> Wait, I didn't, I didn't realize that you taught that. I remember talking to you about how that training was life-changing and how Maggie was life-changing, but I didn't realize you were teaching that. I didn't actually ever teach it. I, but I, I was, I'm trained to teach it, but because of, because of red tape, a combination of red tape and, uh, gosh, how do I explain? Like, it was a very limited program. Mm -hmm. There weren't really Mm -hmm. opportunities to teach it. Mm -hmm. And my immediate teacher, not Lloyd himself, but my immediate teacher turned out to be 
not really happy to be training any protégés. Okay. Uh, So I I went away from it for a while. And when I went and then it was like improv, I went through all five levels of the pit. I was on a bunch of teams and then I started doing stand up, and then I did my talk show, the bitch seat, which is about, which is a talk show about, um, you know, in about childhood basically. Yeah. Um, and all of these, she would things. read her journals. She would read, have, and have guests on that. She would read her childhood journals. They would write, break. I, I, my, one of my favorite, uh, I, I've been a couple of times live and one of my very favorites, and I don't even remember why you did it, but you were naked from the waist up and you, yeah, were, taught, yeah. you were completely painted in like, was it like candy, candy or it was, it was like colorful and it was stranger things. So, Oh, Okay. Yeah, so the bitch seat basically began because I have I was a prolific journaler when I was like you know a kid and um and I got to experience reading in at Mortified, which is the show where people read from their stuff, and it was so amazing that I was like I want to give this experience to other people too. So it was a talk live talk show that became a podcast that we did in New York and in L.A. um, for like five years, where uh, my my co host and partner Phil and I would welcome guests on to share some artifact from their youth, whether something they wrote or made or something that meant something to them. And then we would do an interview about childhood. Um, The idea being that um, our inner children, the the ones who did not get their needs met, the ones who, um, you know, never really were heard or understood are Mm -hmm. still inside of us. Mm-hmm. Still wanting to get those needs met, which yes. shows up in the form of, you know, us being, you know, triggered or us having certain behaviors in our adult life. I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was doing this when I was doing this show, but it was really healing to me because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. little Lissa, 14 year old Lissa, felt so intensely about things and she really wanted to be seen. And I gave her the platform to be mm. seen. Yeah. You know, so, and each time I would read like a poem that she wrote or a journal entry and get this loving, supportive feedback from the audience, I was healing her bit by bit. And so mm. I wanted to give that opportunity to other people as well, because even people who are the most confident in the world, you know, on stage, comedians mm-hmm. or actors or whatever, you know, we would have people on stage who don't get embarrassed of anything. Mm-hmm. having this moment where they're about to share something they've never shared with anybody from when they were mm. little and going, Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. And I'm like, yes, that's the sweet spot right there. Mm. Because being able to, it's basically like live therapy. It's like yeah. public therapy. And so I did that for five years. And then, um, and then I was just taking a break to write and then the pandemic happened. And that basically it was a time of like everything up until that point was like draining out of the, uh, the hourglass. It just felt like, Mm -hmm. it's just felt like I was at this major point of like emptying out everything and assessing everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it was in like the depths of this time, which was like, as you know, a really dark night of the soul. Yeah. From like, yeah you know, December, 2020 to like August, 2021, where I was like, I have no idea what I am now or what mm-hmm. is next. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but there are some little crumbs that I can follow. Mm-hmm. Um, namely this thing about, I had finally heard about somatic experiencing, you mm-hmm. know, like in yeah. 2020 and, and do you want to explain what that is for yeah. people who don't know? Well, I'm not training in somatic experiencing. I'm training to be a somatic therapist. Somatic mm-hmm, experiencing mm-hmm. is a very specific brand founded by um, Dr. Peter Levine. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically somatic therapy is therapy having to do with the soma or the body. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea being that, um, that uh, you know, Bessel van der Kolk, this like mm-hmm. famous the uh, psychologist wrote, the body keeps the score. Um And uh, the polyvagal theory, which is about, you know, the the nervous system, basically saying that, like, any deep healing that we do needs to touch into a deeper part of us than what our conscious mind Mm, can do. So it's it's about getting below the conscious mind into the body, into the nervous system, um, and 
uh, and letting the body speak, letting the messages mm-hmm. emerge from that deeper place that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the Western world, we're not trained to do because we're right. trained to think that the mind and body are separate entities. Yeah. Eastern Eastern world has known that it's all one for thousands of years, but yeah. Yeah. You know. No, I, I mean, I feel like that's the basis of what I do is get people just tapping into anything they feel below their neck. Like everyone comes to me just yeah. neck up. I'm ahead. Yeah. I don't, I don't listen to this. I don't pay attention. So many people are just not inhabiting their body at all. Therefore, their health suffers, their life suffers, their relationship suffers because they don't know how to A, listen to themselves, B, trust themselves, and C, really decipher the messages they're getting. Right. Well, a lot of people are like, we have been very well programmed to not even know that there are messages to get from there. You know, and and I am number one in this. Like, I was a skeptic, you know, like I was not a very spiritual person. I, you know, I was raised Jewish, but I never like felt a connection to that mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. of God. Um, it was all intellectual. And yep. um, I come from an, in, from intellectual parents who stress the importance of, you know, good grades and like mm-hmm. working hard and everything. But there was, uh, there was just no idea even that there was actual intelligence in the body or like, if I heard about it, it sounded hokey. Right. Yeah. And this yeah. is actually perfectly timed that we're talking about this because the New York times just put out their therapy issue of the magazine Mm. like this week. And so like two days ago, there was a huge article about somatic therapy, um, which is amazing because I, I think that I can speak about like my, my parents, for instance, my dad specifically, no fault of his own, but like, he can't really understand the value of something unless like, you know, it's been proven by like mm-hmm. reputable, credentialed, prestigious, yes. Yes. whatever. Yes. So yes. A- until this article came out, like I know it was pretty unclear to him, like, what is my daughter doing? She's embarking on another woo-woo weird fantasy What's this life weird thing. thing? Yep, yep. <laughs> but now that it's in the times, you know, it's like, oh, now I can have a conversation about it. So like, what I hope to do is work with clients who are like me, skeptic, what I would used to be a skeptic who are skeptics um, who believe that we can intellectualize or analyze our way out of anything Mm -hmm. and -hmm. realize that there is there, even though we can't fully explain it yet, like there is healing in real time to be had when you Mm -hmm. drop below that level. And I learned Mm -hmm. in school, which I go, I, um, I'm in the Soma Soul program at the Levin Institute, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, in Western Massachusetts, but it's on the program's on Zoom. Um, and uh, oh my gosh, I just I just lost my thought. You don't have to edit this out, Claire. This is real time. <laughs> we haven't been editing anything out, so don't don't even don't. worry. Um. Oh, that intellectualizing our feelings mm-hmm. um, is actually. Uh, a way of avoiding uh, actually being with our wound. Mm. Just like, just like watching TV or going shopping or taking a nap or any addictive eating behavior. A, right, right, right. Smoking, all, drinking, yep. eating sugar. Intellect- We're always oh. avoiding being with the wound. And it's, yep. I mean, that makes yep. total sense. That yep. makes total sense. But, and it was funny because I have this uh, uh, trauma healer that I work with and it's all, mm-hmm. it's very somatic. He has his own, you know, way of, doing things. And I saw him yesterday for the first time in a year and I just was like sobbing. And at one point I was like, but it doesn't make sense. And I, I shouldn't do it. And he's like, stop, stop, stay with it. Don't go there. Nope. You're getting out of the experience. And that was exactly right. right. Like intellectual, that, that's such a really cool, clear way of putting it. Right. Because again, I mean, I came from a similar background, right. Where like, uh, Education was very highly valued. I grew up on the East Coast, uh, an only child, mostly around very like hyper liberal, overly educated, like elitist yeah. liberals. Yeah. And yeah. like your brain was, the, you know, they sat around talking about ideas, right? No one's mm-hmm. talking about how they feel. And the idea of being able to understand it and talk about it, intellectualize it, like people celebrate that, right? But God forbid you like sit there and feel it and you open up and you're vulnerable and you're messy and you're a problem. 
essentially. Right. And I, like, I don't think it's always bad to, to, you know, analyze. I mean, I have been in talk therapy on and off, you know, my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, oh, there's I mean, a lot of value. Life. Absolutely. There is, there's value, but then it, it, I think there's a ceiling to it. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. You, you reach a point where you, you have uncovered so much stuff um, and you can, you know, contextualize yourself in the world, which is good, but the feelings are still there or like, you don't feel like you've changed. And that's, that's because there's just, there's a limit to how far you can go until you tap into the unconscious. And I think I was talking to you about this recently. No, you told me <laughs> this concept of the bot. No, it wasn't you. Sorry. But this we were concept about, of, yeah. of the body is the unconscious. This, yes, that yes, it, yes, that, yes, yes, yes. We were the talking way about we this. hold ourselves, the way we care, where and how we carry weight, um, on our posture or the pains that are, are all the subconscious mind. Subcon- yeah. 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 Which is why, like when I got into what I was like, when I had my healing journey, when I got very sick and like, I was no different. I did therapy for all my twenties. And I just remember like later in my twenties, getting a new therapist and her wanting to like relive all my childhood stuff. And I'm like, I'll cry as much as you want about this but like I'm not mad anymore you know what I mean like I understand right. this like why are we like making these grooves deeper like what do I do right next? right 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 like yes I get it what do I do next exactly and did I tell you I mean I, I probably told you at some point that the therapist that I had in my mid-20s I was with her for like four years I always felt like she was judging me she was not the right fit for mm-hmm. me but I didn't know because I was like oh She's a therapist. She's like 20 or 30 years older than I am. She knows more. So I'm going to listen mm-hmm. to her. That's what it was always about, like farming out the wisdom to other people, authority figures yes. around me. Right. Yes. But that's what we were taught to do. Right. Of that course. We don't know any better. Yeah. Um, and the last appointment I had with her, this was like at the end of my acting conservatory. Uh, my friend Michelle had recommended a new earth to me, this book by Eckhart mm-hmm. Tolle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the sequel to, uh, be, uh, power of now, uh, power of now. Yeah. No, be here now is Ram Dass. Um, the power <laughs> of now. <laughs> uh, and you know, in a new earth, it, it, it talks about, it, it gives you tools to get present, which was something mm-hmm. that I had literally never done by the time mm-hmm. I was, you know, 26, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And I bring in this book and I'm like, there's, this is really amazing. And she's like, Oh, Books like that are just another crutch. And I'm like, Whoa. But, this is, but this is giving me tools to help me like now day to day. I don't, it's same like what you said. I don't want to dig these grooves any deeper. And she was totally dismissive. And I walked out of her office and never came back. That's because she so, couldn't. And she was threatened by that. Like that's that she not said, how she sees the world. Well, there's some gatekeeping there, right? Like, oh, only, only certain people with certain, you know, credentials, academic credentials really have the power to fix you, which is actually not true. Like the most no. power we have to fix our, so, okay, sorry. I just, it's us. Not, it's us. It's us. It's us. It's yeah. us. And, yeah. and it's not to say we can do it in a vacuum because I do think that wounds happen in connection and need to be healed yes. in connection. Yes. But relationships. But what I'm learning, yes. Yeah. But what I'm learning in therapy school right now is that it's actually so much simpler than we think that what people mm-hmm. need and what their unhealed inner child needs is just to mm-hmm. be met exactly where they are, is just yep. to have space held, is just to be yep. heard. And it mm-hmm. feels so simple. It doesn't require 20 page term papers. It doesn't mm-hmm. require like 7,000 page books to read. Do you know what I mean? It's so simple. And um, and I, that, well, I yeah. want to interject for one second, only yeah. in the sense that my training, right, that I had becoming yeah. a health coach, which I, I was not good. I thought health coach, what the hell is that? That doesn't sound like a real job, like whatever. I was looking into so yeah. many other, like becoming a nutritionist or dietitian or something, but no one was looking at how the mind-body connection, how that was connected, right? Because that was yeah. my big thing. And I remember I ended up in this program because they actually acknowledged like how our bodies are connected and how nutrition affects our brain and all those, you know, like how we think and feel as well, right? That that we aren't just these brains and our body's not this separate thing. But what they would always say, because so much of it, you know, it was like a nutrition program and a coaching program. 
People heal themselves by themselves when given the opportunity. Your job is to create a space and help them find that opportunity. And so much of that is holding space, meeting them where they are, asking questions, right? And it was like, okay, if they're doing these things that are making them feel sick, like give them these directives, right? But also like they're, my whole training was everyone is unique and different. They know what they need. You're there to help them, guide them to them so they can heal. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's guiding, it's, it's holding space for someone and guiding them to the inner therapist inside of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, like, that's the only one that knows. You're the only one that knows what you need. You're the right. only one that knows, right? And you, but but because we're so con- disconnected from ourselves, mm-hmm. we don't even know that we know. You know what I mean? It requires slowing way down and getting mm-hmm. very quiet. And again, these are things that are devalued in our late stage capitalist society, and um, we're not ever, not ever taboo. And so, and so, I like to think of somatic therapy as couples therapy, but the couple is you and your body, and I'm helping you talk to each other. Ah, yeah, I love that so much. I love that, and it goes so well with what I do, right? Because people, I think that. You know, I've seen the longer I've been in this space that everyone's issues with their food and their bodies, like 99.9% of them, um, is a disconnection from themselves, right? So it's like, okay, you're leaning into sugar or caffeine or alcohol or whatever it is, or your gut issues. This is stress. This is you not listening. This is your body's cry for help. How can we get quiet and listen? And then the thing is though, right? Because it's it's one thing to get people to sit down, which is hard, so hard, and be quiet. And then you get them there. And then the trust piece is really hard. Like that muscle. Yes. And I still, I feel like this is what I've like dedicated my life to doing and helping other people do. I still struggle with the trust piece, right? Like the further outside of your comfort zone, like what we were talking about when I spoke, we were voice noting a week or two yeah. ago, where it was like, all I want to do is like slow down and be, you know, like... My my crazy New York achievement drive and all of this stuff that I've had for like the last 20 years feels ready to fall away and yeah. I'm fucking terrified yeah. and I don't want to trust it. I feel like I'm doing things wrong, right? It's like that trust piece is the biggest key for people. Yeah. And I I I mean, it's a lifelong thing to work on that trust, right? Because mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. we were when we were formed, you know. And like calcified when, you know, between the ages of like zero and seven, like that's where all our programming began. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take a long time to unwind that. And it's going to be two steps forward and one step back in terms of the trust. And even people who have been Mm -hmm. doing this for years and years and years, when they become the client and they get in the chair with the therapist, it's like some days it's hot. Some days you can't, it won't. You, your body won't let you. It's just like, no, I need to be protected today. I need to be armored up today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, can we be patient? We can't just strong arm our way into that trust process. It's right. about softening and being patient and recognizing there are days when our body is going to be like, nope, I can't open today and be like, okay, I respect that. You know, try again tomorrow. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. I just have so much heart for, for people who can't trust because it's like us against the world, against this whole system. And I don't have to get on my conspiratorial soapbox, but (laughs) it is, I think right now, a rebellious act to recognize when we need to slow down and to not do, and to not do, 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 to be more than to do is a rebellious act because like the quote unquote powers that be, you know, the large corporations that function on consistent growth and productivity, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they don't benefit from us slowing down. Do you know what I mean? No one benefits from you. Like slowing down, there's a part of you, like just being uh, satisfied, right? Like being and experiencing and, you know, trusting yourself and not needing to fix, right? To be at peace or to be content. No one's making money off that. Exactly. No one's making money. No one, no one's going to get anything from you. And it's been so interesting. And I feel like, 
like the pandemic did this for a lot of us, right? And I, I, I feel it really strongly. And it was funny because, you know, I have like a, you know, I'm like a Joe Dispenza nerd and um, have such, I, especially last year, like went really, really deep into a lot of meditative practices through his work. And so much of what I was doing was sitting in the feelings of peace and contentment and satisfaction and really wiring my body and my brain to recognize those instead of striving, right? And like really calming my nervous system down. And it's been so interesting being here and starting to feel those things and fully panicking. Yeah. Because, and then feeling like, oh my God, did I totally fuck my life up? Because now I'm just satisfied. I don't need to strive to do things. I don't need anything. And I'm just like completely happy myself. Like what is this? Well, and that's, that is the mind coming in. You know, that's yeah. the ego saying yeah. like, oh no, you don't need me as much. I better, yeah, I better like cause a huge, uh, you know, what is the word? Oh my gosh, it's too early. Problem? No. I was going to say <laughs> know, conniption, but it's not conniption. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it, yeah. I felt like that when I went to LA and, uh, you know, LA is a much slower tempo place than New York. And yeah, I had like all of my layers of anxiety were just like falling away. Mm-hmm. And my mind freaked out and got anxious about not being anxious, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I have this conversation a lot. Actually, it was, um, I have this one, actually, she was a Maggie student of mine mm-hmm. in her early 20s. And then we reconnected during the pandemic and she's been with me for years. So oh. I've watched this girl grow up in her 20s, Amazing. like start in her early 20s. She's now close to 30. And it's been the biggest gift to empower this woman. And it makes me, I keep thinking about like, what can I do with like women of that age group? Because it's been amazing because she is Now, she trusts herself so much. Her anxiety is gone. She has created this incredible life for herself where she's doing exactly what she wants. And it was like, oh my, like the stuff I would have dreamed of in my 20s if I wasn't like a complete. And it's been really beautiful. And we had this session this week where she was like, I have everything I want. Everything is good. But there's this 10% of me that's like freaking out because like there's no problem. And I've like gotten there and I was like, this is what happens, right? Yeah. Like I'm experiencing this too. Like there's, I always feel like we all have this ceiling, right? Like uh, we're, we're our comfort zone of our personality and the, whatever, like we're emotionally addicted to that we identify as us is the small box coming that, mm-hmm. you know, came from trauma and whatever our childhood. And as you continue to work on yourself and grow, what I, I see people doing and I experience it's like you hit your ceiling for happiness and joy and you bump up against it and all of a sudden you're uncomfortable because you're like, I've never been this peaceful or satisfied or happy. Like, oh my God, like I have to create, your brain's like, we have to create problems. Exactly. It's uncomfortable. Exactly. Where it's like, no, no, this is your new normal. How do we practice like expanding that capacity for love and joy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it does create, pro- like the creating problems where there are none, the, um, you know, thinking the other shoe's going to drop, thinking this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, those mm-hmm. are all trauma responses. Old, 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 old trauma responses, you know, that, that might even be intergenerational, you know, because yeah. Yeah. Did our, we, we carry in our DNA, um, well, you know all of this, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it, it gets passed down through generations. So, for instance, you know, I am an Eastern European Jew descended from – um, Jews who have been, you know, fleeing their homelands mm-hmm. for thousands mm-hmm. of years. So mm-hmm. uh, my DNA is a composite of all of theirs. And so that that is that is deeply in there. And so it's not a matter of like pushing that voice away or like squashing that voice. It's a matter of like making space for that voice, that fear, saying, mm-hmm. hey, fear, like you can be at the table too. Um, mm-hmm. What do you need? Um, Mm -hmm. but not letting it drive the bus, you know? Yeah. Which is an Elizabeth Gilbert thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're in a, you're, uh, it's not allowed to drive or touch the radio. Right, right. Fear can be in the car, but it's got to like sit in the backseat. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, no, I love that. I always talk to my clients. I'm like, okay, with uncomfortable emotions, and this is basically the stuff I did with my trauma healer. He, instead of, right, our knee-jerk reaction is always like, how do we numb? How do we avoid? How do we push down? Like, I don't want to feel this, right? Right. That's like humans. Right. And he would just sit there and be like, now welcome it in. 
Yeah. How can you amplify this feeling? How can you breathe it in and welcome it in? So I always tell people, and like Pema Chodron has some really, like uh, Welcoming the Unwelcome. I yeah. love that book mm-hmm. where she just talks about like really invite it in and give it a space and tell, like you can stay as long as you want and I love you and I'm here for you, like to this, whatever this uncomfortable emotion is. Right. And that welcoming usually for me allows it to pass through and then it isn't there forever. But when we reject it, it stays inside for such a long time. Well, this is the thing. And this is why, you know, I think of emotions are like water, which is something that Maggie Flanagan Mm -hmm. always used to say as well. And like, it goes hand in hand with these ancient, you know, ideas of, you know, of the elements, um, which is like, you know, in the tarot, the cups uh, is the suit Mm -hmm. of the water element. It's the suit of emotions. And, and, if we let emotions exist the way they want to, they come and then pass through like a wave. Mm-hmm. You can't hold mm-hmm. on to the wave, you know, mm-hmm. or you can, mm-hmm. but then you're going to turn it into like a dense material that's like going to stick uncomfortably in your body. So uh, letting it pass through, but also to what you said about Pema, one of the core principles in my um therapy school work. We talk about the ABCs, right? You can do the ABCs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for any uncomfortable feeling in your body. A, um, awareness of what's in your body and acknowledging mm-hmm. that it's there. Mm-hmm. B, to befriend it, right? To sit next to it by the campfire. Um, and C, uh, curiosity and compassion. Mm, I love what, this. What, what, what a beautiful tool. I know. And anybody can use it. That's the thing. Like, does not need to be behind a, a locked gate, you know, you can yeah, use that yeah. at any time in your day. And, and it requires you to tune into like subtlety, you know, it might not be like mm-hmm. screaming mm-hmm. at you. Um, there are some days when you can ask into it, like what brings you here or what do you need? And you can't hear anything and that's okay, mm-hmm. but you can mm-hmm. always make mm-hmm. space for it to just be there. And sometimes you need reminders, you know, from a support mm-hmm. To be like, even the other day, my friend Audrey, um, who also does a lot of this work, I was having a really shitty day last Wednesday. It was just one of these days where everything feels crunchy and I'm like Mm -hmm. underwater and I'm angry at everybody and I'm so uncomfortable. And Audrey's like, I mean, this is the work. Can you, can you just be with this feeling? And just Mm -hmm. having a person outside of me reflecting back to me, right. Simulates our mirror neurons. Um, yep. Uh, made me realize that even I, who does this work all the time, was was trying to not feel the feeling. And I just needed that mm-hmm. little supportive reminder. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't actually mm-hmm. feel that feeling. And actually, if you let yourself feel it, it will move through more, more swiftly. Yes, yes. And that's like one of the, my, the practices I've had for a while lately is like, how do I love what's in front of me? no matter what it is, and how do I trust that it's the right thing, Mm. right? No matter how uncomfortable it is or how shitty. And it's been really – I've been really tested recently because all of a sudden I am feeling differently than I've ever felt and it feels scary Mm -hmm. and, you know, making myself wrong and spiraling about it and then coming back to, okay, if I trust that, you know, everything that's – coming up for me is got the lesson is the, is the thing that's for me. How can I accept that this new way of being or this new experience of me or how I experience life is the right thing, which again, like goes back to the trust thing, mm-hmm. which is so challenging, mm-hmm. but when you can get there, incredibly rewarding. Oh yeah. And, and it, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> but I'm curious when you talk about this new feeling, is this what you were t- re- referring to before about this feeling of like, not feeling ambitious of wanting to. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, we were talking about the other day. I started to feel that like in 2017, when I left New York to go to LA, it was this, mm-hmm. it was this very clear feeling of stepping off the hamster wheel because I had been in, New- yes. you know, we met each other in New York. I had been there yep. for over 10 years, spinning all these plates, pursuing acting and comedy and having four different jobs and just like running myself yep. ragged because that was what you had to do, you know, to play the game. You had, and that's what everyone was doing. Like, you were almost like getting sucked into it, even if you didn't want to. Right. And, but I had, I had enough stores of like ambition and drive from when I was a, a sad little kid. Um, 
yeah, uh, that that Same. that it, that I ran on those fumes up until 2017 when I got to California, and like I remember the one of the first times that we visited, um, Phil and I went to Venice Beach, and you know when you get to Venice Beach, uh, and you see the ocean just open in front of you, there's this like yellow diamond shaped sign that just says end on it, which is like a like <laughs> yeah yep. And I was like, oh no, like, I think I accidentally <laughs> retired early. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like I was, I, <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, cue an existential crisis that continued to unfold from 2017 until like pretty much last year when I was like, I've already, I can't drum up that ambition. Like there's no way I can find that drive again. And my inner mm-hmm. child is angry at me because I gave up. Although I, I didn't. Mm. It's just like I ran out of juice and I can't manufacture juice when I used to be able to. I can't make myself yep. do anything that my body says no to anymore. And it's yeah. it's inconvenient. Oh my God, me neither. Oh my God, me neither. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so funny to watch. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> like I should maybe. Can't, can't. It's so funny. Um I am. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be like vulnerability share for me a little bit. Um, I got you. So I'm I'm in this new relationship, and um, it is not at all what I pictured for me at all ever in my life. And it was so funny because the first couple months of it, uh, which is still is in that essentially, was me just being like. No, we can't do this. I'm not going to do this. We're not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not. And then it's like, nope, we're still doing this. <laughs> we're still doing yeah. this. I'm going to keep going and going to keep going. And at a certain point, I was like, okay, my brain is just going to have to fuck entirely off. Yeah. Because I'm not listening to it. And I'm just going to trust. And it's this is funny, too, because so much of my work is I really teach people. I'm like, you know, and Martha Beck, I got this from Martha Beck, who I absolutely adore, talks about like, you could use one part of your nervous system to make decisions or your entire nervous system, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Like your brain is just this one tiny part, right? Yeah. So I'm always talking to clients about that. And in the work I do, it's like, listen to your body, trust your body, listen to your body, trust your body. I'm at the point where like, I'm all body, barely any brain. Yeah. And it's like, I'm doing these things where I'm like, my brain is like, what the? No, that makes no sense. And my body's like, shh. I got this. I mean, yeah. It can be very disarming. Yeah. And, and, and let me be the first to admit that like, I am, I did not listen to my body in a huge way a couple of years ago. And the consequences were so dire. I almost did not live, you know, like when I, um, you know, moved back to New York at the beginning of the pandemic, which I was already long story short, I'd been long distance, you know, with Phil for mm-hmm, a year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that did not mm-hmm. go well. Um, I was, I really wanted to stay in California, but didn't because mm-hmm. I want it. It's important for me to maintain this relationship, which now we've been together for 11 mm-hmm. years. Um, mm, he's the best. He, I hate he Phil. I love you. Oh, he is the best. Um, but, but he did not like LA. It was not for him. And it was very mm-hmm. much for me. And I knew that. And like, in the days leading up to moving back into the city, back into Astoria, Mm -hmm. I remember being in my car, like driving around in late afternoon and hearing this very strong visceral message. I know what I have to do. And what I had to do Mm -hmm. was go go back to California. Like that was the future for me. And I, I remember this turmoil. I didn't remember this. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And the first day that I moved back in, like I was subletting in in Astoria in this tiny little room that had a window that faced a stone wall. And I, 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 that was, that was what caused my absolute nervous system collapse. I mean, and it sent Mm -hmm. me into a place of suicidality of, I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I couldn't eat. I lost 25 Mm -hmm. pounds, the whole thing, you know, then I started a blog about that and like, doing ketamine therapy to heal my way out of it because I needed a strong reset. Mm -hmm. But even now, Liana, I'm like, I, how am I going to say to people, listening to your body is number one when I didn't do it, but I, but I didn't do it. And the consequences were truly dire. I wanted to be dead because, you know, so yeah. uh, 
do as I say, not as I do, listeners. Well, no, I, people have to be really uncomfortable to change. Yeah. Really, really uncomfortable. And that's what, unfortunately, that's where you needed to get. And I always tell people, because I'm not in the business of being like, eat this, don't eat that, do this, don't do right. that. I'm like, here, here are the options. Right. What do you want to do? Right. And even I was in my group uh, this past weekend, and one of my clients was leaning more into, she likes to numb out with alcohol occasionally when things aren't going well, and who doesn't, right? Yeah. And she was like, I'm not ready to give it up. And I was like, all right, you're just not uncomfortable enough. Like, go go drink a whole bunch of drinks. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're going to change when you want to. I'm here to hold up a mirror and to give you tools right. and to show you what right. you're doing. But, you know, there's a whole period of time, and I talk about this a lot, where you know better, but you're not doing better yet because you're not uncomfortable enough or you just haven't built those that muscle, right? Those new habits. Right. And that's okay. That's part of being human. Well, totally. And if anything, that makes you so much more relatable and better as a therapist than someone who had no experience with that. I mean, true. That's true. I was also like, you know, my inner victimizer voice was coming down on me hard being like, you're a hypocrite. You know, you want to be like uh, Liz Gilbert or Glennon Doyle and do the brave thing. And you didn't do the brave thing. You you stayed here for a man and blah, 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 whatever. But like, it was the thing that I had to do to learn that way. And um, yeah. I wanted to mention this thing about, you know, if you have something that you're doing, that's a habit that is helping you like avoid hard things, avoid change, avoid the mm-hmm. wound, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, in Soma Soul Therapy, this modality that I'm learning, mm-hmm. We talk mm-hmm. about the layers of, um, like the, the the layers of, um, oh my gosh, human. Wow, well, I failed. It's basically like an. <laughs> it, I, I can't remember the name that he calls it because it's based on a gestalt thing. That's the layers. Yeah, of, like, we'll find it. Put in the show notes. But it's like yeah. an onion, right? We are like an onion, mm-hmm. and the outer layer is mm-hmm. this roll layer, which is the which is you know the the behaviors and the costumes that we had to put on when we were really little in order to get our needs met, right? And we still mm-hmm. roll layer is something that we can easily slip into or out of, but it is a way of mm-hmm. it's not fully authentic. And just below the roll layer mm-hmm. is what we call the impasse layer, and the impasse layer is these behaviors that help us avoid feeling the wound, and that includes you know, mm. drinking or drugs. It includes, mm-hmm. you know, numbing out, dissociating, um, whatever it is that we're doing to avoid the thing that we want to be with, intellectualizing, mm-hmm. right? Um, over-worrying, mm-hmm. procrastinating. Um, and like within the first couple of weeks of school, our mentors were like, you know, how, what percentage do you think we are, we are in impasse, you know, during our lives? Mm-hmm. They're like mm-hmm. 80% of the time. Like a huge amount of the time, we are not sitting with that wound because we can't, you know? No. We can't, we can't tolerate it. So like have so much heart for the part of you yes. that, that is just trying to get, that is just trying to survive and feel better, yeah. you know? And, yeah. But it is frustrating because the more we become aware of ourselves and our, you know, habits, Mm-hmm. It, it's the more frustrating it is when it's like I literally am watching myself go into this antique store and wasting three hours looking for treasures when I need <laughs> to be doing this other thing. I'm watching myself doing it and I cannot stop. Mm-hmm. So can I like not? But eventually you can. Yeah. Right. You know, you'll get so uncomfortable where, you know, you will start doing better. This reminds me so much. And I, I'm sure I've told this story before. On, I mean, maybe not on here, but. When I was in the depths of, I, you know, was very bulimic and I had like a lot, you know, it was, it was funny. It was more like in my brain almost though. Like I, I you know, I had years where I was off and on when I was much younger, but I remember always being like, this is not a great way to cope, but yeah. my brain was consumed by like my body and food and it was all I thought about. And it was like hard to make space for anything else. It was felt it completely insane. And I remember one summer, I don't remember what year of college. It was like in between some year in college. And I was at my grandma's house and I like had just the urge to go to Barnes and Noble. And I love a bookstore. So of like, course. You know, it wasn't that strange. But I was like, I need to go. And and this is way before, like, because I grew up with you. I like grew up in a very science-based household, like not spiritual, not religious, not anything. And it's interesting what the healing journey will open you up to, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I go and I am not sure why I'm there, but I feel incredibly pulled towards 
and this is maybe my first experiment or my first, yeah, I guess, um, experience with the self-help section, which became a good friend of mine for many years. But I remember just being really pulled towards the back of the store and then plopping down on the floor, just in this random spot where I felt very pulled to sit down. And this book, like essentially like jumping into my lap off the shelf. And it was called, I believe it's called like Eating Under the Light of the Moon. Mm-hmm. And it was like a holistic eating disorder book. Yeah. And in it, I remember, and I tell this a lot in my group still, and it was, it had this profound impact on me. And I talked about, imagine you are at a riverbank and the, it is a rushing river and it's churning and it's deep and you fall in and you are drowning and you are just doing everything you can to swim and to try to not die. And you finally grab a hold of this log and you hold on to it for dear life. Mm. And it brings you safety and it brings you to this much shallower part of the river where you can stand up and get out. But instead of just climbing out of the river, you pull the log with you mm. because it saved your life. Oh. And then you start dragging this big, heavy log around because it saved your life. And they're like, that was your eating disorder, right? Like, or whatever it is, your alcoholism, your sex, whatever, your shopping, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever your like, survival that mechanisms. Thing saved, right. Yep. That saved you at one moment. Yep. So don't make it wrong. Don't judge it. Yep. This thing saved your life. No one to put it down. So we always talk about my group, like just, and you only know when you're ready, right? And we, and what I do and what you do, it's, a, you know, what you will be doing is giving people tools mm-hmm. just to give them an alternative to carrying around this big, heavy log. Right. Uh, I love this visual. This Isn't is that beautiful? amazing. Yes. I Isn't it beautiful? Please have it. Give it's like it's one of my favorite things because it's like just just put down the log. This thing was a beautiful natural thing that saved your life. It was the best you could. Yeah. And just try to put it down. I love it. And to know that, you know, in the future if you have this need to like hold it um yeah. once in a while like give yourself some grace when in the moments that you need that, you know, it did serve you. Like, can you be grateful to this log? You you can yes. be grateful to the log without having it take up space in your closet. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. I love that. I want to ask uh, a question. This is a little bit of a pivot, but we sort of touched on this earlier yeah. for you. Um, Cause towards the end, you know, I love getting, giving tools and you've given so many already. Um, but with people, because again, I get so many people disconnected from their bodies. They don't even understand what that means. And I don't even realize it, right? Because of acting. And I think we get drawn because I, you know, as a child, I'm highly sensitive, you know, because of the nature of my childhood, I was really good at like dissociating yeah. and like going to space. And I don't think it's not lost on me that I became an ap- actor and then an improv improv improvisor <laughs> like where improvisor, was that yeah I got into improv yeah <laughs> an improviser and you know I, I like I was looking for ways to process emotions and to learn how to be present and to connect right like and that was what I was really drawn to yeah. and I get a lot of people who don't I don't even realize it right because we've done all this work right. I get people who don't even understand what being present is right right, right. or how to practice it right. right so do you have any tips tools ways to become more present when you find that you are someone who dissociates a lot hmm. I mean it feels so basic to say but I, I cannot overstate the effectiveness of closing your eyes wherever you are, feeling your sits bones, Mm -hmm. getting in touch with like the sensory, like feeling your skin, uh, touching your clothes, feeling the air, and then doing a gentle body scan. And so yoga nidra I think is really, really useful. If you go on uh, there's this app called insight timer where there are thousands Mm -hmm. of free meditations of all different kinds. That was a real saving grace for me in a dark time, but like Mm -hmm. practicing, practicing, giving your mind a rest, uh, Mm. and noticing the places in your, the place or places in your body where there is any sensation at all, whether it's tension or tingling or a heaviness or whatever, and just practicing, like not attaching any feelings to it, necessarily like emotions to it, but just mm-hmm. noticing the sensory, noticing that you have a body. 
And there could be times mm. when it's, you know, you can't feel it. Like there are times when I try to tune into my heart space and I literally cannot physically feel it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the numbness is also a message, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I know it seems so freaking basic, but like the thing that really set me on this path was the movement work that I did at Maggie Flanagan's where every class began with what they called 10 minutes in which to do nothing. Other people might think of this as Shavasana, but um, basically we would lie on our backs with our eyes closed and continually be guided back to our bodies as they're experiencing awareness of whatever's Mm -hmm. coming up, emotional or Mm -hmm. physical and permission to let it be there. And literally as your Mm -hmm. mind wanders or you fall asleep or you start to get nervous, whatever, can you be a good friend to yourself and bring yourself back to your body as it experiences and if you practice mm. this every day, even for five minutes, I swear it will change your life. Oh, I love that so much. Whenever I, I, I had such a, I, I had a great experience at my conservatory training at Atlantic, but I think I would have really, really liked to be a student at Maggie. For I loved sure. teaching there and everyone's experience and just how he really encouraged people to embrace how they felt and, and celebrate their bodies in a way yeah. where Atlantic was like, let's think about things yeah. harder, yeah. which I did not need. Yeah. I did not need that. The somatic stuff oh, is like, beautiful. is the future. Yeah. You know, it does seem like we're going in that direction and it does feel like people are becoming a bit more conscious and, and needing that. And for me, I think when I, when I really, really got into a couple of years ago and it was also during the pandemic, cause I, I was really just trying to look at my divorce and the pain around it and my part in it and really just ready to face that, right? Like, what can I learn from this? And I started working with my trauma healer and he had me welcoming and sitting with these things. And I just remember sitting in this space where I was just like, okay, this is not going to kill me, I guess. I'm just going to allow these painful feelings to be, to completely take over my entire body. And I am just going to allow them to shatter me into a million pieces. And I remember coming out. And this is where I find it fascinating too. We're like 10 years in therapy in New York, where I remember being in my early twenties, coming out, feeling, you know, the 45 minutes was up. It felt like my guts were hanging out. I was, it felt very dysregulated. I'd been crying and, and I'm completely dysregulated. It's not done. I don't know what to do with it. And immediately like either calling one one of many ex-boyfriends to try to regulate or like immediately buying a cookie and eating it before I even knew it where that I had bought it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it was like so many times spilling onto New York, the city streets or just sobbing yeah. all the way home on the subway yeah. or something where it was like, I had nothing. I had no tools right. where this get, was the first time I would get all these calls and I would feel peace and I would feel like emotions were finished. Yeah. And then it was like all of a sudden, and all I can do is sort of like, it felt like I could only take up like this much space in the world, like a tiny amount to like all of the space in the world that I wanted. And it was like the most power. I was like, this is where it is for all of us. Being able to sit with and face your most uncomfortable emotions and just be with them and accept them. Like that's the most powerful you can do. It is. And then you feel, and then you feel kind of invincible. And then you're like, Oh wait, I'm immune to all these advertisements telling me what I need to buy to fix right. myself. Right, right. Or I don't need to like I I can eat cake when I want to and not when I you know what I mean. I don't need cake to emotionally regulate, or I don't right. need cigarettes, or I don't need any right. of these things. And like occasionally we will, and I tell people to do it consciously. Mm-hmm. But it's like the more you can, you have tools and you have an understanding and a trust of your, you know, muscle, right? Your trust muscle around being able to process your emotions and sit with them. The less Anything has power over you, right? Exactly. Like you get to to design your life and you don't shy away from anything. You could just fucking go for it. And you get which to I think is that's what I'm trying Yeah. No, you get to you get to eat cake because it's pleasurable. Not because yes. you need it to try to fill this hole. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that and then relationships are there only because they're pleasurable and you guys can add value, not yeah. because they need to keep you safe. And yeah. you know, all of those everything just gets to come into your life because you choose it, yeah. not because you need it to be whole. Right. Right. Oh, I'm so excited about you 
in this work, in the world. I know you're going to change the world. I want to ask you one more question. And, you know, you've kind of answered this time and time again, but if there's anything else we always talk about, obviously this podcast is called Love Through It. And the whole idea is that, you know, in life, there is always going to be shit that happens. Uh-huh. We are guaranteed suffering, right? Uh-huh. Um, but it's our choice whether we suffer through it, you know, those difficult times where we love through them. And I would like to know, you've given us a lot of great tools already. Are there any other things that you do when you are handed a pile of shit <laughs> and you're like, I do not want to, I'm not going to suffer through this. How do I love through this? Like, how do I regulate myself? How do I see the best in it? How do I find the lesson? How do I calm myself down? Any of those, do, anything that you haven't shared and you've been a wealth of knowledge already, so you mm. can pass if you want. I'm not passing. But anything I could talk like for seven a- more hours. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know I can as well. Yeah. <laughs> Claire's like, guys, no. <laughs> Whatever, Claire, you love it. Um, <laughs> you love it. You love it, Claire. <laughs> number one, uh, put on some music and fucking throw your body around. Okay, dancing. Yes. And I'm not look. Oh, dance like no one's watching. Who cares? It's really not about. <laughs> it's really not about the external. It's about. It's about putting on music and letting your body move in the way that it wants to. And if somebody were to look at you from the outside, it might look ridiculous. Doesn't matter. Just like Elaine dance. We're back to the Elaine dance. Back to the Elaine. You know what? Like Elaine was the original somatic therapist. Um, (laughs) And the other thing I will say is my, my dear friend, Cassie, who is a brilliant yoga teacher and breathwork teacher. And I met her when we were serving tables in Midtown, like, 10 years ago, she was like this ray of sunshine. And I was like, I need a piece of that. And basically when she, she, when she is handed a pile of shit, she says to herself out loud, this is just the challenge I need. And like, maybe it's a little sarcastic and maybe she says it through gritted teeth, but it's like, it is being handed to you so that you can grow. That's it. If you always assume everything is a lesson it doesn't everything's for you everything's for you even if it doesn't feel good like feeling good or feeling mm-hmm. bad are very subjective human ideas yes. nature yes. just is so if you just say mm-hmm. this is just the challenge i need i don't want it i don't like it but i do need it thank you <laughs> and go from there and, and i always tell people to like look back at the some of the hardest things you've had to overcome and what they did for you and for me it was like getting sick and getting divorced yep. were the hardest, scariest things that I've ever done yep. that were the most challenging that I grew from the most that created the most beauty and purpose and connection for my... So it's like, of course, yep. of course. Yeah. I love that. Yep. I love that so much. So are you... When are you... Are you taking people on practice? Like, where are you in your practice right now? I am. Can pe- where can people find you? I know you do yeah. writing classes. How can people yes. get more Alyssa in their lives? Okay. So every other Tuesday, um, today is one of them. Um, I facilitate the writing jacuzzi, which is a very, a safe space, spontaneous writing session. Um, you don't have to show up. And what's spontaneous any- writing if people don't know? Um, basically I will give you a prompt and you will have about 25 minutes to read the prompt, let it settle in you and then free write, uh, without taking your pen off the page, uh, without editing yourself. And it can be any medium. The idea being, um, uh, just like crack open your right brain before your left brain can have a say. Mm, And then I love that. Yeah. So that's every other Tuesday. Um, anything, if you want to find me for that or for tarot or for somatic things, I would say right now, go to my Instagram. I am mm-hmm. at a flock of sandwiches. <laughs> Just the best. It's the best idea I ever had. And uh, it really is. <laughs> um, I am, I am in the process of of revamping my website that includes offerings such as, you know, writing, coaching and editing, which I do freelance, Mm -hmm. um, tarot readings. Um, and I will not be taking on, uh, paid clients until, um, probably the fall because right now I'm still working Mm -hmm. with practice clients, but be in touch Mm -hmm. with me. I'm always happy to informally answer questions. Are you, yeah. Are you looking for more practice clients? Um, I, in a couple of months I will be, and the other people in my, in my graduating class will also be looking for practice clients outside of our program. Cause right now we're, we're practicing That's great. classmates. So 
Okay, uh, good. You can. Well, that's great because yeah. you know therapy is expensive, and we yeah. can't all afford it. So that's like a beautiful resource. So mark yes. that in your brain, yes. people. There will be some pro bono, so pro bono uh, offerings available if you just want to try it out. So you can email me at lissamandel at gmail Liana, I imagine you'll put that in your notes. Yes, um, yes, and, and always, yeah, through my through my website, lissamandel or at a flock of sandwiches on Instagram. that just makes me smile and happy every time I see it or like remember it or you say it out loud Lisa thank you so much this has been such a pleasure um I already want you to come back oh thank you so you you have to be like a regular contributor I would love to talk about all of that yeah no I think that I it's funny I had all these well, you know, I've wanted to have a podcast since I was like five yeah. um, and before they were invented. And um, when I thought about it, it was like, I want experts, but I also want like recurring members of the cast, or, sure. you, know, you know what I mean? Of the team who are on a journey. Because I think it's really fascinating. I get really fascinated by listening or watching both people's progression mm-hmm. and like how they grow and transform and like. You are someone who is so incredibly thoughtful and smart and the way you approach your healing and evolution is, you know, so fascinating and beautiful to me. Oh, so thank you. I would love to have you back at some point. Um, I love, I just love talking to you. I feel the stuff. same. So thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Sorry oh, I interrupted I so you. much. <laughs> oh so That's what the point of this is. It's a conversation. Yeah. Interrupting to the point. Um, uh, all right. I, I love you, girl. Thank I you again. You thank you. Love Through It is hosted by Liana Nielsen and produced by me, Claire Burns. If you're interested in working with Liana as a client, or you're interested in hiring Liana to lead a workshop or be a contributor, you can contact her through her website, healthybyliana.com, or through Instagram at healthybyliana.